While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. And I'm Andrew. And welcome to our 10th episode. 10. 10 episodes. I can't even believe that we've made it this far. Can't you? No, you didn't think like, that we would read 10 books together? <laughs> when you came to me three-ish months ago and said, <laughs> let's record this book podcast, I was like, what? How will we? That sounds so hard. And now here we are. Ten episodes later. Still reading books. I feel like I've climbed a very small mountain. I feel like I have walked up a steep street and <laughs> pumped my fists in the air. <laughs> now let's, let's. I mean, for those of us who might be listening to this for the first time, myself and Wait, those of us? Yeah, like, those of us <laughs> who might be first timers. Uh, we each have, we haven't read ten books each. We've each read five books, right? Let's not yes. let's not sell ourselves long. That's a phrase. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh so yeah, we read books here. Each re- each week, each week, re- each week we read a book and then we talk to the other person about that book. Um that's there's no other explanation, is there? Right? No, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much <laughs> that's it. How it goes. Okay. I'm glad I'm ten episodes in and I've got this open down. <laughs> so andrew we've come so far we've come so far we've completely forgotten how to do the podcast 10 we episodes can't in. even explain we can't give people the elevator pitch anymore like no. we, just, we, we we give them the pitch and we're like wait that's all we do that's i think that's my thing yeah and last week we could barely get started because you didn't know what erstwhile meant I no know. i totally i really didn't <laughs> I'm still. I've I've forgotten what it means again. I what is Ursula? <laughs> uh, no longer. I think, like it's Do like we not. Wait, yeah. Okay. If you are an erstwhile listener, it means that you have stopped listening to this. Oh, you're like podcast. a former listener. Yeah, it means former. Yeah, okay. Well, hello, all of our erstwhile listeners, oh. and welcome to the tenth, the marathon tenth episode of Overdue. We've got a great show planned for you, guest stars. Wait, are you... Um, Conan O'Brien will be on the show. Are you starting the podcast again? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right, you're the host. This is cool. What'd you read? Okay, I read The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum. All right, great. Dropping a bomb on everybody. I don't think that's how he spells his name. (laughs) Um, Now, this is that book based on that movie, right? No, this is the... This is the book upon which the movie was based. Oh, okay. So that's how yeah. that happened. Oh. Yeah, the book was written... It's a children's book. It was written, like, right at the end of the 1800s or, like, at the really early... The it New was, York Times was reviewing it in the year 1900. So I think it's, it yeah, like I think right, that's when it was published. Right yeah. Um, and now, it is it a children's book? I know, like, the movie is kind of timeless 
and lots of people like it, but it's usually because they watched it when they were kids. Yeah, like the the um, the book is definitely a children's book, and to and I actually thought his introduction was pretty pretty interesting because it kind of places the book in time a little bit. Um, okay, so I'm just I guess I'll just read the whole introduction on on air, and you guys can all just deal with it. Yeah, just deal with it. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, folklore, legends, myths, and fairy tales have followed childhood through the ages. For every healthy youngster has a wholesome and instinctive love for stories fantastic, marvelous, and manifestly unreal. The winged fairies of Grimm and Anderson have brought more happiness to childish hearts than all other human creations. Yet the old-time fairy tale, having served for generations, may now be classed as historical in the children's library. For the time has come for a series of newer wonder tales, in which the stereotyped genie, dwarf, and fairy are eliminated together with all the horrible and blood-curdling incidents devised by their authors to point a fearsome moral to each tale. Oh my god. <laughs> it goes on for a little bit, but that's like the thrust of it. It's basically, Grimm's fairy tales are the worst, and it's time to introduce something maybe a little lighter to the, the children's canon. Yeah. I guess. Well, and like, there's too many dwarves. There's too many dragons. <laughs> we need new things. What is he? So is he saying that like, let's get rid of fantastical things and replace them with scarecrows? Is that no, like his I, thesis? I, mean, I think he's saying that fantastical things are great, but we don't need to make the story into something where like a child gets eaten because she disobeyed her parents or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't need to make there be a terrifying lesson in every book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's hang on. Let's hang on to that idea of lesson when, after we kind of go through the plot, because I imagine is the plot, how different is the plot from what you expected? Well, you, okay. You want to talk about the opening what I kind of wanted to do, because I think, I mean, for a lot of the books that we have read already or, mm -hmm. like, are planning on reading, um, they're, I mean, they're often going to be, like, musical or plays or, uh, like, movies that have been based on the books yeah. that might be better known. But I, I don't know if there are many cases where the movie adaptation, like, so overshadows the book. Like, I, th I think the movie is the one that's kind of stuck in the pop cultural canon in this book is something that, and maybe this is different for different. I know like different kids read different kids books a lot of the time, but like I had never read this book before. Mm. Yeah. I'm, no, I've never read it either. Why, <laughs> that's why we're talking about it. <laughs> but I think if, if when people think of the wizard of Oz, they think of the movie and they are, yeah, they are pretty different. So yeah. What I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to have you kind of summarize the plot of the movie Okay, and you're going as to stop you, me. as you remember it, and I will kind of pause you, and we'll kind of talk about this the is differences. wait wait this is not we didn't even prep this this is no not, we didn't oh pop quiz pop quiz ten episodes ten episode pulling out all the stops <laughs> everything's different up is down oh my god Andrew's driving this bus <laughs> all right so. So the, the book brake starts... lines have been cut. All right, oh, and we God. can't drive below fifty-five oh, miles an no. hour. So does the book start out in black and white? Basically, yeah. She starts. It starts out in Kansas, as the as the movie does, and okay. it's not. It's not like the world is actually black and white, but it's kind of. You know, it's Kansas, and the 
I don't think Kansas is actually in the Dust Bowl, but it, the, the description of the environment is very Dust Bowl-y. Like, it's dry and it's gray, and her aunt and uncle are, like, so joyless, and they've had so much crushed <laughs> out of them that they, like, never even laugh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so what I recall is she doesn't dislike her aunt and uncle, right? No. All right, but there is an evil lady in her neighborhood who hates her dog. Uh, not in the book. Okay, great. Yeah. All right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the movie the movie's kind of got this extensive frame, like the black and white sections that that bookend the the movie, yeah. where you've got like the the evil woman who hates her dog, and like the farm hands, and like she meets that fortune teller guy who like later on is like plays the wizard in the, in the Oz section of the film. That is all gone. Like it's just, it's her oh, aunt really? and uncle. Yeah. It's her aunt, uncle and her, and it's all very dreary. Okay. And like the first chapter is like, Dorothy was a girl who lived in Kansas and Kansas was pretty bleak. And then the tornado came. Oh, wow. Swept up her house. Oh, <laughs> and no. And it all, it's all, it all happens very, very quickly. In okay. Very short order. So there's, okay. So like there, there is no frame narrative in that. Right. Regard. And, and that's, right. that's kind of, I, they're, they're very different. And I, and I think that most of the differences introduced in the movie are good. Like, I think that by introducing like these farmhands and these other characters and making Kansas seem like a little more homey and like she's happy there but she also has like a sense of adventure or something that yeah but like Dorothy in the book does not have that she just like lives there and they give they give a reason for her wanting to uh wanting to go back home but it's very like she wants to go home because that's where she belongs. It's not like she was happy there or anything. Hmm. Um, no matter how dreary and gray our homes are, we people of flesh and blood would rather live there than in any other country. Be it ever so beautiful, there is no place like home. Oh, great. So, she says that want, at the beginning of the book? Um, this is like after she meets the scarecrow. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, like she wants to go home because she wants to go home. It's not like it doesn't sound like there's a lot. It's there. not like there's people there to get back to that she cares yeah. about. All right. So, so I think what the, the movie, the stuff the movie introduces kind of, it makes it, it, one, it makes it seem more plausible that she'd want to go home in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And two, I think I, I think it just like ties the whole story together a little bit better. Well, yeah, because I think that what that framing in the movie does is it does like, it creates that scenario where none of that actually happened and it was all in her head. Mm-hmm. and she happened to like because all the characters are the people from the real world you mm-hmm. know and then she just learns a lesson about the real world while she was in a tornado coma like no, that's it, just yeah in the book this stuff all really happened yeah it's not the... it's not a tornado coma like no. she actually went to a place called oz and then came back <laughs> like... well and that's and and that's expounded upon because then Baum wrote a bunch of other books in that universe yeah um but it is, it's kind of like what we were talking about on the turn of the screw episode where it's like, is this a world where fantastical things are real or in the movie, are those fantastical things potentially an allegory for something else? You know, that kind of weird. No, they're, they're pretty much they're real. Pretty they're real, real. real things. All right. So let's <laughs> talk about those things. So the tornado well, okay. yeah, so takes we, her out of Kansas. Yes. Okay. Then 
the house crushes one of the witches. Yes, that still happens. All right. And then another witch shows up, which mm-hmm. is good witch. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what happens next. <laughs> she tells her to go to Oz. Yeah, that's okay. – and that, that all – I mean there are some differences, but the, the larger plot there is is still the same. The only difference is that in the book, the shoes are silver. Oh, yeah. And in the movie, they're you know ruby. And I think that decision was made mostly because – when you are transitioning from black and white to color, you really want to emphasize the color. And I think, yeah, ruby is going to pop a little bit more than silver slippers. Yeah, will. we're making this movie in Technicolor, and she's in this beautiful color world. Oh, yeah, it's silver slippers. That's, <laughs> that doesn't make – oh, that's a good point. I never thought yeah. about that. Um, great. Okay, so then she sets off on the yellow brick road, mm-hmm. and it's yellow in the book. Yep, it's yellow okay. made of bricks. Why and and the witch is just like, yo, the wizard will fix your life. Go talk to him. Like, he'll get you home. Okay. Yeah. Uh, then she meets a scarecrow. Yes. Is there anything different about that? Um, no, not really. Um, wait, are there? Wait, were there Munchkins when she crashed? Yeah, there are Munchkins. How? What are they like in the book? They're just little people who are friendly. Like there are no there are no songs in the book. So like a well, lot of, when when people think about the movie, they really identify with the songs and like yeah. the lollipop guild and all that crazy stuff. But a lot of that a lot of that does not happen in the in the book. Okay, all right. So they're just are they creepy or are they just they they're nice? No, people? they're just they're just little people and they're very like hospitable and they're happy that Dorothy's house crushed the witch because. Uh, <laughs> They were enslaved to her before. So. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. So then she meets the Scarecrow. Yeah, she meets the Scarecrow, and that's, that goes pretty much as it does in the in the movie. But – and then she meets a Tin Man. I want to talk about this Tin Man. All right. Let's talk bit. about this Tin Man. What is okay. so crazy – so wait. Okay. The Tin Man, he doesn't he, – he doesn't have a heart. He doesn't have a heart. Scarecrow doesn't have brains. All right. How do they explain these predicaments in the book? Because in the in the movie, there's there's like, oh, let me introduce myself and sing a song about my chief problem. Like, how does that work in the book? Um, they replace the song about the chief problem with a little anecdote, I guess. Like the scarecrow has only been has only like existed. They only built him a couple days ago. Okay. And so there, he's like, oh, I'm all stuffed with straw and I don't have any brains. The tin, the tin Man story, okay, is hilarious. You're selling it. You're selling it's, it. No, it's hilarious because it's just so okay. The Tin Man in the movie, yeah. As I recall, there's not really like an origin story there. He's just like a man who's made of tin. Yeah, no, he's just and a dude because he's made of tin. He has no heart. Yes, and he needs oil. Yeah, he yeah. needs oil, and that that happens in the book too. Yeah, okay. In the book, the Tin Man used to be a real boy, a okay. real man. Okay. And he was in love with a Munchkin woman. No. And I think the Munchkin woman's—I don't know if a, I don't know if it was like the Munchkin woman's mother, or if it was just like the witch was the the Wicked Witch of the East was just like, no, I don't want anyone being in love in my country. Everybody's all <laughs> slaves to me, and that love is dumb. So he's a real man. And he cho- he's a real woodman. And the oh, that's lays- right. He's the woodman. Yeah. The witch lays a curse on him and he chops his arm off. And then a tinsmith makes him an arm. And then she curses him again and he chops his other arm off. And then he chops his legs off. And then he chops his head off. 
And then he splits himself in two. And one by one, all the pieces of his body are replaced by tin pieces. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> so wait. So t- the Tin Man is RoboCop. Basically. He's the million dollar man. Yeah, no, he's man. the he's the six million dollar man. Oh they made him. What is what? He was not a man magically transformed into tin. No, he just one by one his body parts were replaced by tin parts. What the? That's and awful. Then, yeah, and then he didn't have a heart anymore because he had been replaced by tin parts. All right, so let's review. My name is L. Frank Baum, and I'm going to write a story for kids <laughs> that is a new fairy tale that's not as gruesome as those stupid brothers Grimm are so grim. Wait, here's a lovable character called the Tin Man. He didn't used to be. He wasn't always made out of tin. The witch made him hack his limbs off, and then he was kept alive through some crazy science. <laughs> Or magic. Some sort of mechanical monster. Some kind of magic science. Oh my god. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah, yeah. And who is the man who put him back together? Who's that guy? Just some tinsmith. He's not really... He doesn't really factor in. Ugh. Weird. Yeah. What? Okay, what is the Tin Man <laughs> doing when she meets him? Like, that I don't remember from the He's book. He's chopping rusted. wood? He, he was chopping wood, and it had rained, and he didn't get out of the rain in time. So okay. he was rusted. All right. Standing still. God, that is awful. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't remember why the Tin Man is the Tin Man in the movie. I don't know that it's explained. He just He just is a Tin Man. Okay. He is a tin man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. And then she meets a lion. And she meets the cowardly lion. And now, it's basically it's basically as it happens in the movie. Like, he's all roaring and he, like, knocks the tin man and the scarecrow down. And then he's threatening Toto and Dorothy, like, slaps him. And the lion is like, oh, no, I'm such a coward. And why do they do they explain anything about these talking animals in the book? Is that like no. a thing? All right. No, they just, they are tar- talking animals. And, um, like, there's another little adventure that they have later on where it's kind of implied that if some of the more magical stuff in Oz were to be transported back to Kansas, it would become, you know, more ordinary. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's something about Oz that makes animals talk? Maybe. Something like know. that? Yeah. Like, there are witches and magic and anything goes. Yeah. Okay. All right, and so then they have their crew together. Well, before we move on, there's another there's another particular line that I think was very was okay. Very funny. Um, so they meet the lion, and he they're like telling him he's like wondering why he didn't hurt the scarecrow and a tin man when he knocked him around, and Dorothy's like, "Oh, he's he one's made of straw, and the other guy's made of tin." And then the lion is like, "Well, what's the deal with Toto?" And then Dorothy says, he's my dog, Toto. And the lion says, is he made of tin or stuff? Asks the lion. And then Dorothy says, neither. He is a meat dog. (laughs) (laughs) What a good joke. He is a meat dog. Come on. (laughs) He's made of meat. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
Now, are these <laughs> this is unrelated to the meat dog? That's really no, funny. that's fine. No, it's, are there, that was that was apropos of nothing. I just, did you? Um, I don't know how you read the book. Are there were there pictures in the book that you read in the copy that you read? Well, this has been around for so long that it's in the public domain. Oh, okay. So um, I just got the free Kindle version. There may be an illustrated version rolling around, and I don't know if like the original version was illustrated, but this particular version was just the text. Okay. I was wondering if, if it was depicted in a particular fashion. Yeah. Um, but, all right, cool. All right. <laughs> so, meat dog. He's a meat dog. He's a meat dog. What happens next? Does the, does the whole poppy incident happen? Yeah, pretty much. And um, Is that on the way to Oz? Or is that that's on the, on the way to Oz. Okay. So, yeah, they are. Well, there's another little episode where they're like, they have to cross a river, and then they have to, like, fight these. Or they have to, like, run away from these, like, terrible, fuzzy, furry wood monsters. I don't what? know. It's, like, the book has a bunch of little vignettes in it that are kind of... They're just, like, little episodic adventures that I think would... I think they would go well if, like, you were a kid reading it, and you, you know, didn't want to read the whole book in one go because you were a kid... Or if you're like a parent reading this to your kid and you want the story to be chopped up into manageable little chunks. For bedtime. Yeah, but like there are a lot of little inconsequential almost adventures that happen that just do not make the jump to the movie at all. Do any do any of those adventures kind of drive home the issues of what these characters are missing? Are there are there like any adventures where the scarecrow's super dumb or the lion's extra cowardly or anything like that? No, like the deal in the movie is that these, you know, these three characters all have what they wanted all along and they just don't realize it. Okay. And so pretty frequently in the in the course of the story, you'll have like, I don't know, like the Tin Man steps on a bug once and he just starts crying because he's sad that he stepped on a bug. <laughs> or like the scare, they have to cross this like, <laughs> this like chasm and the scarecrow is like, oh, why don't we cut down a tree and then we can walk across it? Like, they've got what they need. They just don't think that they have it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's intact in the book. Okay. So it's the- not, it's not made like 100% explicit. As it is in the movie, I don't think, but yeah. So they go to Oz. They get to mm-hmm. Oz, mm-hmm. and they meet the wizard. How's the wizard depicted in the book? Um, in the movie, they all go meet him at once, and he's a big, horrible head. Yeah. <laughs> in the book, they all meet him individually, and um, he appears like in a different form to each of what? them. What? Yeah, like he—it's kind of weird. Like he's a big—he appears as a big floating head to Dorothy. Okay. And he appears as a beautiful woman to the scarecrow. Weird. Um, I forget what he is when the Tin Man goes to see him. I think just like a big scary beast looking guy. Okay. And then when the lion goes to see him, he's like a big ball of fire. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, cowardly lion! I'm a giant fireball. That's awful. But like, it's it's kind of a weird little section, and if they'd done it in the movie, it would have taken just a ton of time and not been. They wouldn't be able to do it. Worth yeah. it. So yeah, and yeah. then the wizard tells all of them, "Hey, I'll give you what you want if you go kill a witch in the west." Okay, cool. So, so like, it's it's the same. It just like it just takes way more time in the book than. Does. All right. Are there still flying monkeys? There are still flying monkeys. The flying monkeys are not inherently bad. But they she has are... enslaved them. 
yeah, kind of. Like they're they are the flying monkeys. There's this golden hat. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, golden hat. I'm, there's I'm this golden board. hat. All Whoever right. has the golden hat, the flying monkeys have to do what they say three times. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait a second. Why? Who made the hat? Um, this like queen lady. Okay, so this queen lady was gonna get married to this guy. Like and they the flying, do, like and they the do. flying monkeys like to play tricks on people, so they pushed this guy into a river, <laughs> <laughs> and it made the queen really mad because it made all his nice silks all wet and spotty. Okay, and so she made them like be enthralled to this golden hat as a punishment. What <laughs> was this queen also a witch? I think so. Was she? one of the wicked witches no she's just she's just some i don't remember if she's just like a minor witch or if she's just a queen who has magic powers i don't know is there such a thing as a minor witch in this book i don't know this is the one of the little like episodes episodic stories yeah that happens in the book okay right? so wait so there's a golden hat yeah and the wicked witch has this golden hat yeah she has the golden hat and she used she called the flying monkeys once to enslave, I think the Winkies are the name of the people who she's in charge of over there. Like yeah, there's those, the munch, those there's are, the Munchkins, and then there's the Winkies. The Winkies are the soldiers. I remember I was uh, I sat in on a few rehearsals of a middle school doing the play like a year or two ago, hmm. and I totally forgot about the Winkies. And there was just a <laughs> bunch of kids marching around as the Winkies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she used them once to enslave the Winkies once. When Oz was like, I, I'm not sure. Do you mean the wizard? She fought, yeah, she fought the wizard or something. She like <laughs> wants wants to drive him away. Okay, and now wants to bring, like, she they tear all the stuffing out of the scarecrow. They dash the Tin Man against some rocks. Oh God! And then they like they bring the lion and Dorothy to the Wicked Witch's place, and the lion gets caged. Okay, and Dorothy. Just has to like clean. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How do they get out of that mess? She throws some water on the witch and she melts. Okay. Yeah. Now, now did Wick, did the wicked witch want those shoes the whole time? Was that still a yeah, thing? Yeah, she wants them because Dorothy doesn't know, you know, she doesn't know how powerful they are. And so actually the witch takes one of the shoes and Dorothy is like all mad, so she throws water on the witch and she melts. <laughs> you stupid witch, you stole my shoe. <laughs> Here now you're wet, ha ha ha. Why is that a, a common trick in Oz, getting people wet? I don't know. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, they free the lion and they put the Tin Man back together and they restuff the Scarecrow, and they go back to Oz, and it is like it is in the movie. Like he's just this old man, and he calls himself a humbug, which I guess is what. That's a British thing. Is it a British thing? Yeah. But yeah, he's like a fraud. He's a humbug. Okay. All right. And, how did um, how did he make all those other things happen? They're just tricks. He walks in, <laughs> like they're they're just costumes and like a big ball of cotton that he set on fire. Like <laughs> this book's insane. Okay, yeah. and then he gives the scarecrow, tin man, and lion like the placebos that make them like aware of the stuff that they or that it makes them think that they have the stuff. Even though they had all along, yeah, they're just trinkets. Okay, yeah. and then as he is going to go back to K 
cancels with Dorothy, the balloon flies away and leaves her stranded in Oz. Now, in the movie, this is pretty much the end. Like, the good witch comes and is like, yo, Dorothy, you had these shoes the whole time. Why don't you use them? Yeah. In the book, we're like two-thirds of the way done. Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh, no. Um, so so her immediate response is not, there's no place like home, click in her shoes, and she's there. No. She's just like, well, how am I going to get home now? Oh, great. And somebody, I think like the door warden of Oz, or of the Emerald City, is like, hey, you should go to the south. I don't remember if it's the south or the north. Go see the one witch that we haven't seen yet. <laughs> okay. And so they go and they have some more adventures, including the weirdest one. They, they like stop off in this land where everything is made of China. And I'm not talking about the country. I'm talking about like the China, <laughs> like the stuff that plates are made out of. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And now, it's, does it's she just... describe it as China? Yeah. That Oz. That doesn't make any sense. Why would it be called China in well, Oz? Well, I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not called China. It's not like they're. It's not like oh, we're in China, and that's why everything is made out of China. No, but they refer to the material as China. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No one I mean, in Oz. What's... I'm trying to find the chapter name of the story because it's a really. It's a really Is it offensive? It's not offensive, but it like in context, but it could be read as offensive if you just went up and said it to somebody. Okay. Um, Oh, the Dainty China Country is the name of the chapter. (laughs) It's uh, and they they basically they like go up to this this little China person who's milking this cow that's made of China, and they surprise the China person. What? And she falls over, and like the china bucket that she's using breaks, and like the cow's china leg breaks off. Oh my god! And she's like, "Well, oh now I gotta go get repaired because you broke my china cow." Oh my god! I mean, we all know that China is—it's porcelain. It could have just been called yeah. the porcelain country. Nope, China. Gotta oh call it China. god! The dainty china country. Yeah. Okay, so then so they go through the offensive country and then they Yeah, get... and then they they do a couple other things and then they finally get to Glen, Glinda the Good Witch. Okay, and we haven't met her yet? No, there's it's a it's the other witch that meets them at the beginning. Cuz that's not cuz Glinda's the one they meet throughout the movie. Right. Yeah, in the in is Glinda the Witch of the North in the movie? I don't remember. It's the North or the South. We're going to say we're going to pick North. Okay. Because it's just easier to have one direction. Yeah, great. <laughs> but, okay. Like, Glinda is in the movie, and we don't... I don't think we ever meet the witch from the South. I don't think so. But and I if mean, we do, right, she's it, dead or something. I, don't yeah, know. I mean, it is implied, I think, that there are bad witches in the East and West and good in the North and South. And then yes. Emerald City and Oz in the middle. So it's the South witch at the beginning who meets them, and then they go to meet Glinda at the end. Okay. And then when they go to meet Glinda, she is like... You had these shoes. You could have gone home the whole time. Oh, okay. So she tells her there. Yeah. That's dumb. And then she goes home, and Uncle Henry and Aunt Em are like, oh, Dorothy, hi. And then the book is over. What? Yeah. No, where were you? Is there no. a, Is there a sense that Dorothy learned a lesson? No. She's, I think, 
that she's happy that even though she could have gone home the whole, the whole time, she met her friends and helped them. Oh. But there's no like big thematic lesson or anything. So it's almost the exact opposite of the movie. <laughs> if the movie's message is there's no place like home, the message of the book is home's fine, but I'm glad I went on that adventure. Well, she's homesick throughout, and they do say there's no place like home like earlier, but they don't drive it. She doesn't have to say they there's no place you didn't like want, home You didn't want times. to say they don't drive it home. Yeah, <laughs> you almost said that they drive it home, and then you stopped yourself. Yeah, I, I did. What's up, what of it? Thank you for calling attention to it. Okay, so reading this book 113 years after it was written. Jeez. Right? Think about that. Wow. And... After the movie, and the movie becomes a huge, big thing, do you get why the book was such a big deal? I mean, you're not a kid, so maybe there's that, but do you get it? I mean, I don't know. Like, it's it's um, it's um kind of hard to evaluate it now because it's been so, I guess, dissected and, like, so many things have followed it and built upon it and, like, there have been so many sea changes and... yeah. In like children's and young adult literature since then. Yeah. Um. I do think I, I do think I like the movie more. Like I, th- I do think that pop culture has made the right choice in canonizing the movie over and kind the book, of keeping the book as a, as like a secondary thing. Because I think the 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 stuff that they cut out of the movie and the, the thematic changes that they make to the movie. They um, they make it kind of a tighter story, and they also really drive home the. Just, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> they also make a point of they that yes thing. they okay. they emphasize the themes that are present in the book but are not really hammered on. Yes. You know? Yes. No, I understand. Um, as I was, I was kind of just reading over stuff about the book before we started recording and there's apparently a whole political interpretation of the book oh really of the some guy wrote an article in the 60s called the wizard of oz parable on populism and he was positing that it was an allegory of the debate in the 19th century about metal about like silver versus gold and the east and the west representing railroad and oil barons and they were going to the emerald city and the wizard represents the united the president of the united states it was it's crazy it's awesome all of this all of this stuff is entirely possible and it's (laughs) if i had a really thorough understanding of yeah like turn of the century concerns like that like like industrial revolution era stuff. Like, yeah. Maybe I would, maybe I would have, have gotten that, but I, I did not. Well, see, you see, Andrew, the, I mean, it should be clear as day when you realize that Oz is the abbreviated way to write ounce, which is how you measure gold. So, duh. Okay. That's okay. Right. That's, that's all good. children, you all can... children's literature is really political allegory. Isn't that isn't that true? <laughs> well, like how sometimes I want to curl up in a ball is about American isolationism. 
or if you give a mouse a cookie is about foreign relations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was it reading children's literature from like a hundred years ago? Did it feel like overly simplified? What was the language like? It was pretty simple. It's, it's what the movie does is I think it makes, makes things a little more suspenseful, Mm. but the, the story just kind of, it goes along and like there are little individual adventures and sometimes they're kind of in danger, but like you never really, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like it just, it just kind of goes along and it, and it is very, it's very like evenly paced. Does that make yeah. sense? There yeah, are not yeah, a yeah. lot of like slopes of tension and I'm not even sure what I'm the, saying. The but... slopes of tension sound yeah. like a, it's an awful ski resort. The story arc is very like, is very flat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Like they're not, they're not a lot of builds to stuff. Well, and I was surprised that you said that they killed the Wicked Witch so early, like comparatively early in the book. Yeah, like the the events of the movie are really like it's maybe like half the book. Oh wow! Between like between the stuff that happens after the witch dies and the stuff that happens in between when Dorothy gets to Oz and when you know they kill the witch that gets removed yeah hmm. so yeah they 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 just cut it down and then the movie would have been really cluttered if if they'd had to deal with all the stuff in it so yeah it was it was uh it was it was better for the for the story that they <laughs> that they changed what they did all right well I think... that's kind of interesting because i think in more modern like book to film adaptations like let's I don't know I don't know how many of the Harry Potter movies you've seen I've seen like three or four yeah, seen, of them not very many I've seen four of them and then I saw the very last one which is the second half of the final book and I had <laughs> no idea what was going on it was great but um there's I guess there's there's a sense that it's rushed because I think the filmmakers feel like they need to fit pretty much everything yeah, yeah from yeah, the yeah. book into the into the movie like things get adapted less mm. and things that work in literature that don't really work on the screen don't get removed with the same kind of critical eye yes that I think happened when this book was converted yeah well and I also think that you know film was younger back then oh definitely yeah. um but also what the movie was made in what 39 yeah, something like 30s. that mm-hmm. so that's still a good 30 or 40 years removed from the book so yeah i, I think there was and it, i most of the music and stuff i was reading about it on wikipedia a yeah. little bit i guess there's a broadway production in between the publication of the book and its adaptation to film it's not it's not the same as the show that goes up now, oh, which okay. is much more, which is much more based on the movie. Yeah, yeah. The script, the script, and the score from the movie. Um, but there are a few story elements that make it to the movie that were kind of introduced there to some extent. Like, there's a lot of other stuff that gets cut out, but well, yeah, just that first round of let's turn this into a two-hour story as opposed to a book. Yeah, well, two-hour story yeah. with songs and stuff. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's a step on, that's a step in the evolution from from book to movie. Yeah. Um, that yeah, and it's it's different. Be different if you wrote this book now and then you were like trying to capitalize on the success of the book by making the movie. Like that's mm-hmm. what a lot of book to film adaptations are now. 
It's like the books are out for a few years. They get a following. And then someone in Hollywood goes, well, we got to make a movie about it mm-hmm. before all those people stop caring. <laughs> yeah. And actually, and I'm not going to say that I would be interested to see the new Wizard of Oz movie with James Franco in it because I absolutely would Oh, I heard it was terrible. But, <laughs> but based on the preview, it might actually make a little more reference to some of the events in the book than the than the first movie does just because the book does make some some mention of like of Oz being a young man when he came to yeah yeah to the country and like things that happened there before Dorothy got there mm-hmm. well and that that goes back to what we were saying at the top of the show of the classic movie feeling much more encapsulated like Oz is it's this wonderful place that Dorothy goes to but it might not be real and it might not have a life when she's not there mm-hmm. um, yeah it, yeah in the, in the movie it is you do get the sense that you don't you don't really get the sense as you do in the book that Oz has like a history yeah yeah or that it's going to keep going after she leaves like in like in the book the Lion ends up being the ruler of a forest somewhere. The Scarecrow is left in charge of the Emerald City, and the Tin Man is left in charge of the Winkies. Weird. Yeah, so you get a sense that, like, everyday life is going to carry on after Dorothy. I think they all just wave goodbye in the movie. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or they're supposed to, um, because she's supposed to be in the balloon, but then she's crying and clapping her heels together, and then she wakes up in the bed. (laughs) Yep, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there, and you were there. Well, thank you for being here and telling me about The Wizard of Oz, Andrew. Well, thank you for being here and listening. And thanks, folks at home, <laughs> for listening. Uh, if you it's are our landmark tenth episode, tenth episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if you want to tell us what we should do in the next ten episodes, you can email your suggestions to overduepod at gmail dot com, or you can tweet them at overdue pod or you can follow us on facebook you can like us at facebook.com slash overdue pod i got that all squared away so you don't need nice. to go Good searching work. or anything you just type it into but your you browser can. you can go search it if you want that's taking too long you got books if to you read like you got podcasts about books to listen to you you're too busy <laughs> um what else do they need to know andrew um if you go to our website at overduepodcast.com We have got a link to our iTunes store. We would love if you would subscribe, rate, and review us. Uh, We've got a link to our just regular RSS feed if you happen to be an Android person or if you don't use iTunes for whatever reason. um, That that is there for your convenience. Um, We also keep links to Amazon links to the books, um, not just the one that we are currently working on, but the ones for the next two weeks as well. So if you wanted to support us, we would love if you would click on those links and buy those books and maybe read along with us and see if you agree or disagree with the ridiculous things that we're saying. Yeah, and we try to make all of the episodes kind of evergreen. So if you hopped on the train around episode four or five and want to go back and listen to our earlier episodes, those book links are still there too if you need to pick those up and maybe want to read along with those. So Yeah, not a lot of topical stuff. Try not to. North Korea, am I right? Hey! (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye.
Paninis are like the Captain Crunch of sandwiches. Like, they're really good in theory, but then you eat them and they just cut the roof of your mouth. <laughs> That's, I don't find that to be the case. What kind of paninis are you? Are you eating razor blade paninis? They just, they're just really toasty. I don't know. Really crusty bread? Yeah. Okay. And they toast them and they're all toasty and they, what do you, they're pointy. What do you get when you go to Panera? I get a salad and half a sandwich. I pick two this many. What kind of sandwich do you get? I get just like the ham sandwich. You go to Panera and get a ham sandwich. I like it. What else is on it? <laughs> Tomato and cheese and onion and stuff. What, it's like a sandwich. What kind of cheese? Swiss cheese. All right. That's a little better, I guess. What is what? What is your problem? I feel like you're wasting Panera time. By getting ham sandwiches. You could sneak what your own. Should, okay, what should I be getting? I don't get a panini. But I don't like them. But that's what they make that's good. 